been great. Amen? Amen. Really good. Um, our next guest speaker is, uh, you know him from previous appearances here at Liberty, Rob Welch. He's the uh, president of For His Glory Ministries, and he's going to be sharing his heart uh, with us about evangelism, which is really his calling, and, and my prayer is that we catch, catch a little bit of that heart also, that God would impress upon us the importance of reaching the lost, both uh, in our community and around the world. So why don't I give a warm, warm welcome to Rob Welch. And let me just give you a little introduction on this. This was our last mission to Rwanda that you're seeing a video footage of. And Josh uh, Harum, who's just about to walk back in here, he did that video work for us. He was with us in Rwanda. And just giving you a plug there, Josh. Good to see you, brother. So, um, but the video that you're going to see is one that he did. Uh, but I just kind of want to show you a little bit of what we're seeing the Lord do and just give you a feel uh, then I'll get into my my talk, or I don't know that I've ever done a talk. I guess I'll get preaching that. So, um, so we're going to show that video. It's just under five minutes, and I'll give you a little picture of what we're seeing the Lord do. We're seeing the Lord do some just absolutely awesome things. Let me pray for us as we start our time together. Father, we come to you today recognizing our desperate need for you. We're broken people. There's so much in us that doesn't reflect Jesus. There's so much in us that still needs to be rooted out of our hearts and of our minds. But Father, we come to you today knowing that you work with broken, hurting, hungry people. Lord, you receive the humble that come to you. You turn away the proud. But Lord, you receive the humble, everyone that comes to you in true faith. You won't turn away. Everyone who believes in you will never be disappointed. We thank you, Father, that you are a good God and that there is none like you. We thank you, Father, that we see your love, we see your grace, we see your compassion on this world as you are continually reaching out. We thank you, Father, that you are the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you have sent your Son, Jesus, for us. Father, we thank you that today we don't have to stand in our own strength, but you've given us the spirit of the living God to live inside us, to work through us, to transform us, to conform us to the image of Christ. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak now to the people of God. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would prepare our hearts to receive your word. We ask, Lord, that you would give us your heart. Lord, we want to have your heart for the nations. We want to have your heart for people. We want to have your love that moves us to action. So, Father, shake 
and remove our complacency. Set us free from everything that is not of you and change us, Lord, from the inside out that we might be the army of God, that we might be the people of God, that we might be on mission with you, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that your word would go forth in power today. We don't need human wisdom. We don't need human understanding. We need the wisdom and the power and the grace of God. So, Father, I confess my desperate need for you, and I pray, Lord, that you'd be pleased to use me as your vessel and that you'd speak to your people and that you'd change us all, Lord. Lord, we want to see you today. We want to exalt you today. We want to see you transform this region by the power of your gospel. And we ask, Lord, that you would start with us. Lord, we don't have to look any further than our own hearts to see our desperate need. We don't have to look any further than our own families and our church to see our need. But we're looking to you, Lord, and we're asking, Lord, that you'd start something here today that would go forth and would launch a movement. Father, we pray that you would raise up disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples until the whole world hears that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, Lord, we ask you to speak to us now. Open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to receive from you. Lord, let our hearts be good soil. Lord, we want to receive the word that is planted and we want to bear much fruit and so prove to be your disciples. So Lord, we come to you today and we thank you, Lord, because you are doing a work and you will do a work in our hearts. You have renewed our minds and you will renew our minds. And we thank you, Father, that you are leading us forward in victory by the power of your Holy Spirit for the glory of Jesus Christ and the advancement of his kingdom. So now, Lord, open your word to us. And Lord, let us receive from you today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at two passages with you. Uh, the first is in Matthew chapter 9. And I regularly go there, and you may have heard me on, on that passage. It's Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 35 through 38. Because I want us to first look at the heart of God, because we've got to start there. If, if we're looking at the church as a witness, and we're looking at the church as the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ in a city set on a hill, we've got to start with the heart. We've got to start with the heart of God. Not where our hearts are at, but where God's heart is at. And we've got to look at that. And you see that continually in the scriptures as you look through the Gospels and you see the love of Christ. But I, I want us to look at this passage today in Matthew chapter 9, and just hear the word of the Lord. We're going to go through this. And then we're going to look at a second passage as well. And our response and our call 
to the heart of God. That's really where we're going. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You've probably heard this Passage preached many times. If you've been in the church your adult life or most of your life, you, you've probably heard this before. And, and uh, you know, we see this passage and we see Jesus ministering. And it's, it's interesting that Jesus went from town to town and village to village. When Jesus began his ministry and, and his disciples, his apostles were amazed at the response that he was getting and and uh, Peter thought, uh, Lord, they're all looking for you. Uh, come on back. Why are you out here praying? There, there are people that are clamoring for you. And Jesus said, I've got to go to other villages. I've got to go to other towns. That's, that's why I came. He came uh, to preach the good news of the kingdom to people that were hungry and desperate and broken and looking for the deliverance of God. Jesus came at a time of great turmoil and great unrest. The people of God were oppressed. The government was oppressive. The people lived in poverty. There were great needs. Everywhere Jesus went, he's he's healing people. He's casting out demons. There were great needs. There was great brokenness. There's sickness. He's healing every disease and sickness and casting out demons. And he's preaching the good news of the kingdom. You look around us here in America and where we're at at this time in history. And we are in a time of great need and great division. You look at the unrest that is is in our society right now. And you see that played out in this this presidential election cycle that we're in and all that's going on with that on both sides. And and you see, we are in a similar situation where we have a great need. We're, We're in a desperate situation. The people of Israel... We're in a desperate situation. And so Jesus is going. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom. He's healing every disease and sickness. He's restoring people. You see that everywhere that Jesus went, he restored people. He saved them. He healed them. He delivered them. He restored them. Jesus came to make all things new, and we see that in his ministry. And so he's doing this, and the people are gathered to him, and, and they're pressing on him, and, and, and it, it stops. Verse 36, and it, it says his heart here in the matter. It says, when he saw the crowds, 
he had compassion on them. That's really what I want us to look at at this passage here. It's, it's not focusing in on his preaching ministry. It's not even focusing in where Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. These are all things that call us to proclaim the gospel. But I want us to look at the heart of Jesus here. Because Jesus, more than any person in history, had people seeking him for good and bad. The people were pushing up against him. Jesus had people everywhere he went coming after him. Some wanted to be healed. Some wanted to be delivered. Some wanted to be encouraged. Some wanted to have him arrested and condemned and killed. But people are, are pushing on him. They're, they're seeking after him and, and they're following him. And, and, you know, I tell you, when I'm ministering to people continually, that can be pretty draining. When you've got crowds of people around you and they all want you for something it can be very draining. The disciples a lot of times uh, had to deal with that and, and they had moments. But Jesus, when he saw the crowds, when he saw the people, he had compassion on them. That's something you see continually with Jesus. Jesus always had compassion on people. He looked at them and he saw their need. He didn't turn anyone away that came to him humbly. The only ones that were turned away were the proud. Sometimes he tested people. Sometimes he challenged them. But Jesus never turned away anyone that came to him in faith. He had compassion. He had love. His ministry, his life marked with love. He sees people as they are. He sees their condition. He sees their need. And he invites them to come. It's something we need to understand. If we're wanting to make a difference in this world for Christ, we've got to see and we've got to understand the heart of God. If we don't understand God's heart for other people, if we don't understand God's love for people, if we don't experience His grace, then we will never be what God wants us to be. We just won't. You know, a lot of times we'll confess that we need to be witnesses for Christ. We realize this is true. But our hearts aren't right. And I want to have his heart for people. When I'm ministering, I don't want anyone to see me. I want them to see Jesus. I want them to see the love of Christ in me. Jesus always always loves. And, and we see that here because he saw the people. He saw their condition. He had compassion. He was moved in his inner being. And it says why. It says because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw their need. Jesus always, when he's ministering to people, ministers to their need. Always looks past the surface. Always looks past what other people think, what other people 
believe, and he sees the need that we have. And he saw these great multitudes, and he saw their condition. They were harassed, and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. My sisters and my brothers, look around you. Look around you every day, and you see people that are harassed, and you see people that are helpless. They're all around us. We don't, we don't have to look far. Everywhere we're going, there are people that are harassed and they're helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Everywhere Jesus went, he saw that. It's amazing that Jesus continually poured out That's just hard to comprehend, that that level of love that he he continually showed, but he saw their need, he saw their condition. And that's something I believe we as God's people, we need to see people's need. We need to see their condition. I'll I'll share something with you. Last weekend, uh, uh, we were... uh, I was taking my kids out. I've got uh, three kids. My oldest is eight years old, and he wanted to fly a kite. And John was uh, excited about flying a kite, and we got out there, and we were flying a kite uh, for quite a while. And finally, it's time to go. And, and I was uh, going to bring the car around while John was still flying the kite. And, and, uh, and as, I, as I pulled up, I saw that the kite had fallen and that there were some teenagers there with my son. And and, uh, and I walked up to him and, and just wanted to see, because uh, the one teenager just was, was winding the string in for my son and just helping him out, and I started talking with him a little bit. And, and it was just amazing, because here was somebody that, in my carnal thinking, I'm wondering, okay, what's going on here? Because, you, you know, you see kids, and, and, uh, and you're wondering, you got your eight-year-old son, and then you got these... 15-year-olds, and you're, you're not sure where the conversation's going. At least I wasn't sure. And, and so I came up there and uh, started talking, and he, he um, started talking with me. He said, yeah, we saw your son, and the kite fell, and, and uh, he was struggling, so just went over to help him out. And, and as, um, as I took over, I thanked him, and he said, boy, you've got a great son there. He's a great kid. And, and here... Here I'm just thanking the Lord that my son is just just the light of Christ. And and here's this 15-year-old who probably doesn't know the Lord, didn't get a chance to get into that with him. But he saw saw something in John, and and here he is reaching out, helping my son. And, um, and, and, you know, there, there are people all around us that we need to reach out to, we need to see beyond the surface. That's something my, my eight-year-old does really well. That's something I don't always do really well. Um, Jesus always looks to the heart. And that's something that we need to see. If we're going to want to make a difference in our family, in our neighborhood, in our community... We've got to have the compassion of Christ. And that's really where it starts. It starts 
with the heart of God. I'll share something very briefly with you. When God had called me uh, to ministry, I thought he had made a mistake. I, um, I did a personal assessment. Uh, this was eight months after I surrendered to his call. And surrender was about 10 months of wrestling with God. And you never win on that one. You're never going to beat God. I mean, even Jacob, when the Lord humors him, at the end of it, he just, <laughs> walking with a lamp the rest of his life, his, his hips out of, out of socket. So, you know, um, and, and so after I'd surrendered to the Lord's call, eight months later, I just, I just felt overwhelmed because I, I looked at myself and I looked at how I compared it in my own estimation to what God deserved. And I, I looked and I thought, God, you've got to do better than me. You know, I, I just thought, Lord, you deserve the best. And in all honesty, I can't even, I, I can't even begin to be in the category of what you deserve, Lord. And, and why would you want me to this? This work and and I wasn't trying to get out of anything, but I was just Lord, you deserve so much better than me. And so I started praying. And about seven minutes into the prayer, the Lord spoke so clearly to my heart and into my mind. And He said to me, "You've just got to love Him." I mean, I thought I was going to be praying for hours, confessing how messed up I was. I'm serious. I I just. I was expecting to just keep confessing. And, you know, if you want to just really back up the whole, the whole dump truck and dump it, you know, with me, I thought it's going to be a long time here. And I just was so broken. And God just told me, you've just got to love him. And stopped me. And I just said, okay, Lord, I can do that. And that's really our call as Christians. We're to love people with the love of Christ. If we love people like Jesus loves, and we have compassion for people like Jesus has compassion, people are going to be drawn to Christ. They're just going to be drawn. You don't have to be anything different than who you are, but you have to have love in your heart. If you don't have love in your heart, it really does not matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you say. You can be theologically sound and have a hard heart and nobody will listen to anything you say because they look at you and they say, whatever you have, I don't want. I don't want to be like that. But if they see you have a heart of love, it's amazing what you can get away with saying to someone. You can say stuff that would be really offensive, but if they know you're saying it in love... Most people will receive it. They might not agree with what you're saying, but they know you're saying it in love, so they're not rejecting you. It's amazing. And, and we need to have that kind of love because we are living in a, in a country that is far from God. You know, you look what's happened over the last 30 years. We have had such an exodus away from God as a people that there's so many people that are so far from God that you start talking to them about Jesus, you got a long ways to go to get to the cross. You know, 30 years ago, you share the gospel, people understood enough about it, they, they heard the gospel clearly, they could make a decision, yes or no. Now there's a lot more you got to do just to get there, it seems. 
But if people see that they're loved, they'll be drawn to you. If people are truly loved by you and you love them with the love of Christ, you're going to love them into the kingdom. You're going to pray them into the kingdom. You're going to see their condition. And when you're broken like Jesus is, you keep reaching out. When you're moved with compassion, you keep reaching out when people keep messing up. You keep loving when people keep refusing to hear. You keep showing the grace of God. That's that's what we need in our nation right now from the people of God. We need to have the compassion of Christ. Because the world has no answer to the love of God. They can't deny it. They might deny the message, but they can't deny the love. And that's what Jesus did. He continually did that. And I, that's where it starts for us. Our heart has to be there. Second, I want to look, I want to look at another passage of how we're to show that love to people. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And, and Paul is really defending his ministry here. And chapter 9. And we're going to look beginning with verse 19. So 1 Corinthians 9, 19 and following. And see here how Paul ministers. So that's what we're going to look at. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. This is Paul writing what what he is living out. The love and grace and compassion of God. He's writing. And a time where there's great division in the church. There's division between the Jews and the Gentiles. Those that, that are following the law, the Pharisees that believed and the, and the Jews that believe that are, that are under the law and, and observing the law and observing all the requirements of the law and the, the God-fearing Greeks. And then the Gentiles. They don't have any law at all, and, and they're all coming to Christ. And Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, is, is writing here and sharing how he reaches out 
how he reaches out to tear down barriers and to tear down divisions that people might come to know Jesus. You know, you look around the world and you see barriers and divisions and separation between people. You see that here in America. It's obvious. We, we see that and we've seen that recently in our own community what's happened here. And you see that in Africa. You go, it doesn't matter which country you go to, you see differences between the tribes and you see uh, opposition and animosity, in some cases genocide. And you see just deep-seated division and hate, and you see that throughout India. Over 4,000 different caste people groups and division and prejudice between people. It's all over the world. It didn't stop in Paul's day. Unfortunately, it's alive and active today. And Paul's talking how he reaches out to different types of people. He says, I, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. He's saying, I live my life in such a way that I don't make any hindrances to the gospel. I want to live in such a way that nothing I do pushes anyone away from Jesus. Maybe they reject the words. Maybe they reject the message. Maybe they refuse to believe. But I don't want any of my actions to push people away from Christ. He's very serious in how he lives it out and he explains to the Jews. I become like a Jew to win the Jews. That's easy for Paul. That's his background as a Pharisee, as a, as a Hebrew of Hebrews, as one who kept the law. He, he was a Jew of Jews. That was easy for him because that was what he grew up with. That's how he thought before he was converted, before Jesus encountered him on the road to Damascus, that was how he was living his life. He understood what it was to be a Jew. He understood what it was to follow the law. So he says, I act as if I'm, I'm a Jew. And he is a Jew to win the Jews. And, and those under the law, I became as one under the law. He's doing all this so there'll be no offense to the gospel. We see that in another place in Acts where, where Paul has Timothy circumcised in a passage in Acts chapter 16. And you might wonder, why would Timothy have to be circumcised? Because that's not salvation. Well, he did that so there wouldn't be a hindrance for the Jews to believe with a man who had a Jewish mother and a Greek father. He didn't want there to be any hindrance. Not that Timothy needed to be circumcised to be saved, but he didn't want his own countrymen to reject the message because they weren't following the practices. So Paul lived it out. He, he lived it out. He, he ate kosher. He didn't create any issues that, that, that would hinder people from hearing. And then he continues those under the law as one under the law. And he, he says, oh, I'm not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. That's how, how Paul says you live out the gospel. You meet 
people where they are at. You meet people where they're at. You don't expect them to come where you're at. You meet them where they're at. Now notice Paul in this is never endorsing sin. He's never saying sin to save people. He's saying reach them where they're at. Don't create divisions unnecessarily. If the gospel divides, so be it. Paul never compromised the message that people refused to believe. He'd say, your blood be on your own heads. Shake the dust and move on. But Paul said, I'm not going to be a stumbling block. I'm going to reach people where they're at. And that's something that the church today, that the people of God today need to realize. We need to reach people where they're at. We can't expect them to come to us. We can't expect them to be like us. And the longer you're in the church, the easier it is to fall into that Christian culture where if somebody doesn't line up with where you're at and you're not comfortable with it, you just avoid them. And that's not how we're called to live out the gospel. That's not how Jesus did. He's hanging out with the prostitutes, with the tax collectors, with the sinners, and the religious folks saying, how could you be doing this? You're supposed to be a righteous man. You're supposed to be a rabbi. You're supposed to be a teacher. You claim to be the son of God. How can you hang out with these filthy people? Jesus said that I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. The healthy don't need a doctor. The sick do. We've got to recognize we're all sick ourselves. We've got to realize that we have been saved. Those of us that have been saved, we've got to realize we've been saved. We've been rescued. A lot of times we want to forget how we were like before we knew Christ. I'd like to forget a lot of things I've done that don't honor Christ. But then I'd be forgetting what he's rescued me from. And so... Paul is saying how he lives out the gospel and how we're to live out the gospel in this divided, pluralistic age. How we as the people of God are not to be a stumbling block, are not to shrink back to where we're comfortable. Paul wasn't always comfortable in every situation. You look at his life, it was anything but comfortable. You never describe the apostle Paul as having a comfortable life. In fact, when Ananias it was to go and lay hands on, on Saul of Tarsus after he'd seen Jesus on the road to Damascus, Ananias is, is reasoning with the Lord. He says, I've heard about this man. He's here to arrest your people. The Lord says, go. He's a chosen instrument of mine. I will show him how much he must suffer. For the sake of my name. The Lord's saying that to Ananias when Saul's being called. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Shipwreck, stone, beaten with rods, imprisoned, betrayed. I mean, he just he went through it all, and eventually, for all his efforts, he was beheaded. 
So Paul understood these things and these trials that he faced, but he never shrunk back from following the Lord Jesus Christ and becoming all things to all people. That's something, if we want to see our culture transformed, we've got to be changed in reaching out to people where they're at, loving them where they're at, and pointing them to Christ. All things. All things to all people. So I might, by all possible means, save some. We need to get back to that. We're in a time in our history where the people of God need to stand up. We need to stand up and we need to be so radical that everybody sees us and knows that that we're believers. We don't even have to open our mouths. We will open our mouths. But they see how radically we live our lives and they, they realize these are Christ followers here. Before I even mention Jesus, they know. Before you even mention Jesus, they know. Because they see our lives are so transformed. And then we boldly declare the grace of God. That's that's what Paul's doing in a hostile culture. Where the Jews are after him. Where the Gentiles are after him. Where the Roman government is after him eventually. You know, he's got everybody coming after him. Fellow believers... Saying, Paul, you're just too radical here. You're just too crazy here, Paul. But he says why. It's his heart. Which is Jesus' heart. I become all things to all men, so that by all means I might save some. That's what's motivating Paul. His desire is for people to be saved. He doesn't consider his life as valuable to him. He doesn't consider being honored as mattering to him. He doesn't consider what others think as any reason to keep him from being faithful to Christ. He is seeking to reach out to those that are hurting and broken and reaching out across divisions and across peoples and showing the love and grace of God. And that's what we as the people of God are called to do. We're called to do that. Every one of us is called to do that. We don't get to say, well, I get a pass because I'm not the Apostle Paul. I get a pass because I'm not a pastor. I get a pass because I'm not an evangelist. I get a pass because I'm not this or not that. You already got your pass. You got a pass to heaven and you've got a road to go through to get there. Jesus already took all the judgment. Jesus already took all that for us and Jesus freely gives us his Holy Spirit that we might witness in the power of his Holy Spirit. Paul isn't doing any of this in his own strength. You and I, we shouldn't be doing any of this in our own strength. That's not going to get us anywhere. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see God do great things. He, He concludes saying this, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. There's great blessing in obeying the gospel. There's great blessing in following Christ. There's great joy. Paul was so focused on pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ that it didn't matter what he had to go through to get there. He shares that so clearly in Philippians 3. Read that. 
And you see that, you know, he's so focused, pressing on towards the goal to win the prize, the upward calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. He's so focused on that. Nothing else he goes through seems to matter. If we're so focused on pleasing our Lord, if we're so focused on the blessing that is to come, which is for all eternity, any struggle is temporary. Paul said these slight momentary afflictions are producing for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. I already listed some of Paul's slight momentary afflictions. Shipwrecked, stoned, beaten, whipped, imprisoned continually, in danger everywhere he went, hungry, thirsty, and eventually executed for his troubles. Paul went through it, but he said these are slight and momentary in comparison to glory. In comparison to what God has for us, any trial we go through in this life is temporary. But what we do in this life for the gospel is eternal. What you and I do, if, if we have the attitude in the heart of Jesus being moved with compassion for people, we're going to reach out to people. We need to have that heart because if we don't have that heart, we're going to hold back when the trials come. We need to have that heart because as the opposition gets greater, it's going to cost us more and more. And if we don't have the heart, we are going to shrink back. Jesus said, nobody builds a tower without first counting the cost. There are so many times where I have just said, okay, Lord, it would be nice to have it easier now. I, I have a lot of times that my wife does more than me. She really is like, boy, can't we get the easy out button? You know, it's, no, it's the cross. It's the cross, babe. We got to go through this. Why does everybody else have an easier life? Well, I don't know if they do, but, but that's, not, that's not the life God gave us, so we, we've got we've to be faithful. But there are those times where you're like, Lord, do I have to really do this? And then you remember how he, how he hung on a cross and how is he hung on that cross He took the judgment. He took the condemnation. He took the death. He took the fullness of the wrath of God in his own body. And he took all of my sin. All of it. All of your sin. All of it. All nailed to the cross. Because of his love and compassion for you and for me. And when you see that... And you realize that he was forsaken for us. There's nothing to do but just say, yes, Lord, whatever the cost. But we've got to have a heart of compassion to push through the trials. We've got to have a heart of love to reach out to people that are different than us, to people that are, are, are hostile sometimes. People that will reject us and just love them and, and it, like Paul, become all things to all people so that we might by all means save some. 
200 years from now, none of the other things that we've been worried about in in this life are going to matter. But what we do with the time God's given us, what we do to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, to advance the kingdom, starting in our families but not ending there, that's what's going to matter. What you do in reaching out to others with the love and grace of God and calling them into the kingdom and seeing people come to faith, that's going to matter forever. And so we have to have that same heart and that same mindset of becoming all things to all people so we don't shrink back, so we don't say, Lord, that's too hard. Or, Lord, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, if we're comfortable in our Christian walk, we're really not being very obedient. I'm just, I'm just letting you know, if you're comfortable, if I, I tell you, if I'm comfortable, I'll start with me. If I'm comfortable, that I'm not living crucified with Christ. If I'm comfortable, I'm not living surrendered. Because I tell you, it's not comfortable. It's not easy. But it is glorious. So my challenge for us today is two things. One, have the heart of Jesus for people. Really love people. That, that, that tears down the barriers and opens doors for the gospel. And two, don't be a stumbling block. Become all things to all people. Don't expect people to change how they live and how they act so you can be comfortable to share Jesus with them. That's not what we're called to We're not called to just sit here and wait for them to change so we can share the love of Jesus because we're now finally comfortable with them. If we wait till then, they're already going to be in the kingdom because somebody else is going to already have reached them who didn't have those criteria and just reached them where they're at, loved them where they're at, shared Christ where they're at, and invited them in. We've got to be like Paul, all things to all people, so that by all means we might save some. That's our call. I want to pray that over us. I thank you for the time. I want to pray that the Lord will raise up an army right here. Father, I just want to thank you. I thank you that you use unschooled, ordinary people. I thank you, Father, that you're no respecter of people. I thank you, Father, that you give us your Holy Spirit freely beyond measure. And Father, I just want to pray that you raise up an army here, that you'd, you'd shake us up, Lord, that we'd stop seeking comfort instead of the cross, that we'd stop seeking what we want and seek what you desire, what your will is, that we'd stop being selfish and be as Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Endure, let us endure, Lord Jesus, for your sake who endured for us. Let us love, Lord, because you loved us and you love us with an everlasting love. Let us serve Jesus because you served us and you serve us still through your Holy Spirit. And let us proclaim your gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Lord, guide us to reach across 
across barriers. Guide us, Lord, to meet people where they're at, to be moved with compassion, to be moved with love, to be moved with passion for people to know you and love you and be set free. Jesus, you came to set us free. You came to set people free and to transform them by the power of your Holy Spirit as your gospel is proclaimed. Lord, raise up an army in this place that will move in great power. Lord, open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts. Give us a vision for the kingdom. Give us your vision. Lord, show us what you have for us and guide us to walk by faith and not by sight. Use us, Lord. Anoint us, Lord, as we share the gospel by the power of your Holy Spirit that people might not only hear, but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Bless my brothers and my sisters. Raise them up as a faithful army. Father, I pray that they would abide in you, that they'd walk with you, that they'd know you, that they'd love you, that they would serve you, that they'd fulfill their calling in this life so you can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, Lord, give us boldness and power to proclaim the gospel. Use us, Lord, everywhere that we go. Your word tells us, Jesus, you said a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I pray, Father, that we would be a city set on the hill, that we'd be the light of the world, and that we'd push back the darkness of the enemy with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use us, Father, for your glory and your kingdom's sake, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.